Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chapter 180 of the Story of You podcast. I'm your host, Sean Broom, and on today's episode, we have Dale. This was a really great episode. I was excited to sit down and talk to Dale. If you're from the Regina area, you've probably heard of Dale and his music. Uh, he's just a phenomenally talented musician. And uh, so, yeah, it was great to sit down and chat with him. And so that's mostly what the episode is about, is his journey with music. And so we start off at his, you know, childhood, early years, talking about going to powwows and just the sense of community and that the rhythm and all of that and just uh, everything that comes with going to powwows and then, you know, growing up when, uh, discovering music, when music kind of came into his life, learning to play the guitar, all that kind of stuff. And then starting bands, uh, getting some radio play, you know, getting some notoriety in the city and then forging out on his own and, uh, and starting his career as a solo artist and just the albums that he's released, the EPs and just all the great things that he's done with his career. So it was a real pleasure sitting down to talk to him. Thank you, Dale, for coming on the show. And uh, I think you guys are going to like this one. It's a good one. So uh, before we get started, of course, we need to uh, thank a few people who helped out with the show. A big thank you as always to Gray. Graham Zerk for the wonderful artwork that you're looking at. You can find more of Graham's stuff at GrahamZirk.com, G-R-A-E-M-E-Z-I-R-K.com. He's a phenomenally talented artist, making his living doing art in Vancouver, so why not support that? Uh, we love that kind of entrepreneurial spirit, and uh, Graham represents that great, so please go support him. He is a very talented artist, and uh, yeah, we love him, so thanks, Graham. And of course, big thank you to Wolf Willow for the amazing theme song you're about to hear. Wolf Willow is a Regina-based country-western band making really great music here in the city, and if you'd like to learn more about them, uh, and you'd like to maybe buy some of their albums, you can go to wolfwillow.bandcamp.com, or go, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. All their stuff is on there. Uh, as well, I guess our, our show is brought to you by two sponsors this week. Uh, we are brought to you by Float Now and Hillside Smoking Q, and we'll hear more from them later on in the show. And of course, be sure to tune in this Friday to My Best Story featuring Dale. He tells us uh, the story about uh, a big trip he got to take his kid on. So it's a great, heartwarming story. I think you guys are going to like that one too. Uh, so, just a little word before we get started. Uh, we are going to be taking a little bit of a break after this episode. Uh, the show, uh, we're just going to be doing some restructuring, and then we'll be back in a month or two with a brand new batch of episodes, uh, kind of in a, not changing the show, but uh, just p- maybe putting more of a focus on certain elements of the show. So uh, don't worry, the story of you is not going anywhere. We're just going to get back in the lab for a minute, and then, uh, you know, just come back better than ever. So um, I'm looking I'm I'm very excited for you guys to see what we're going to be doing with the show in the next couple months here. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I, you know, you, you do a show long enough and you feel a little like, oh, we're just kind of doing the same thing. But uh, I've, I've hit on an idea that's going to breathe new life into it, I think. So I'm very excited about that. I think you guys are going to like it too. So yeah, don't go anywhere. Don't unsubscribe. <laughs> we're coming back. Don't worry. <laughs> um, and again, wherever you guys are, thank you so much for listening to the show. I really appreciate you guys sticking with us for the last, God, three and a half, almost four years now we've been doing this. So uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for your continued support. And like I said, we're not going anywhere. We're coming back better than ever. So um, yeah, we'll see you guys in a couple of months there. Okay, let's get to it. Please enjoy Dale on chapter 180 of the Story of You podcast.
Dale, thank you so much for doing the show today. How are you doing? Not bad, and thank you for having me on here. Hey, my pleasure. Happy to have you on. You ready to talk about yourself and your life and everything that makes you you? Well, let's give it a roll. Okay, perfect. Well, then let's go all the way back to the very beginning then. Tell us, what's your earliest memory? Uh, That would be kindergarten era. When I was little, we grew up on the uh, Kakawishtahau First Nation, just uh, just north of Broadview, hmm. um, with a very large family. I was the youngest of 11, so it was a really old, uh, old-style family, basically. Wow. Um, yeah, I remember kindergarten. I remember playing there. I remember lots of things. There was a huge rock in our backyard. Um, I couldn't climb on it because it was too small. Oh. <laughs> so I had... Uh, I remember uh, kindergarten, um, they actually taught us how to snare rabbits in kindergarten. Um, Kindergarten was held in a little trailer on Ochapoi's First Nation nearby. And I remember that was just life for us. Um, The teachers would give it... would uh, take us outside. Um, We'd obviously be dressed. We'd show up dressed. And uh, they would all walk outside of the trailer. I remember those parts and holding hands and uh, the teachers would sometimes be stern with us to not let go of each other's hands. And we'd walk down to the bushes nearby and they'd show us little trails, little uh, little cute trails. And uh, on some of these trails were little wires with loops in the middle of the trail. Mm-hmm. And uh, some mornings there would be a rabbit caught in a snare in that, in that trail. Hmm. And they would show us what a what a loop looked like and how it was wrapped around little branches on each side of the trail. Oh yeah. And when a rabbit was found in that snare, they they'd take the snare and carry it back to our trailer. It was a little um, kindergarten trailer, a little trailer. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was our lunch. Um, uh, oh. uh, when they caught rabbits, that would be our lunch. And I wow. know this because uh, when. When they were preparing rabbits in the back, they'd line us up in chairs, mm-hmm. and we'd have little cups f- half filled with sugar, and they'd give us pieces of bannock, and we'd dip the, the bannock in the sugar, mm-hmm. and we watched, and we'd watch these old film reel cartoons, you know, these old stop motion claymation things that they did back way back in the seventies or eighties, uh, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, you know, before Facebook, obviously, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> the good old days, uh, as we call it. Yeah, yeah. the good old, the good old days, <laughs> yeah. and I. I remember looking behind me, hearing these noises, and it was the uh, the, the teachers talking and laughing and preparing rabbits mm. on the kitchen table, kitchen area. Oh wow! And I used to like that because, like, I knew there was some some hot, delicious soup coming. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so they would serve us little cups of hot soup, little meat chunks with dough and veggies or potatoes with our bannock. Mm. So that was a, that was a really good memory because I knew when we caught a rabbit. We were having a good lunch that day. For sure, yeah. You know, well, yeah. And teaching the kids good lessons, too, about, you know, like where your food comes from and what that process yeah. is like and all that. It, it, definitely great lessons to start off young with, for sure. Yeah, it's something that I've always carried with me. I'm like, yeah, if it ever comes to it, you know, if I'm hunting somewhere or if I'm uh, overnighting it, uh, hunting or something, and I need food, you know, I know how to snare a rabbit because of kindergarten. Yeah, for sure. So is that something that's carried on? It sounds like that is something that's carried on into your adult life then? Like you you hunt and kind of have an outdoorsy flair? I have an outdoorsy flair. I'm a hunter. Um, When I can, I like to hunt. Mm -hmm. I don't snare, but uh, it's a survival trick, I guess. I've just never really thought of it that way. But I, I am a hunter, yeah. Nice. Um, Okay, so let's go back a little bit there. You mentioned that you're the youngest of 11 kids. That's right. 
So first of all, I need to know what's the spread on that? What, like how old your oldest sibling compared to you? Oh, geez. My oldest sibling would be 59, 58, 59, mm-hmm. pushing 60. Yeah. And then I'm 43 now. So wow. 20, 20 years spread, maybe more. Yeah. Wow. That is, yeah, yeah. that's, uh, that's significant. So, mm-hmm. um, growing up then how many, like, were there 11 of you there all the time or like at some point, I mean, I'm sure the oldest ones had gone off at a certain point. Oh right? yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Like some, some had gone to, uh, to school, some right. had moved away and started their own families down the okay. road or nearby. So we just knew we were a big family. Yeah, for sure. So what yeah. was it like yeah. growing up with all of those siblings and, and, uh, you know, and just kind of having like a lot of people around all the time? Not knowing any other different. Right. It was, it was, um, the world to me. It was life as we knew it. So I didn't know life without siblings. Um, growing up, I knew I was always watched over. I was always protected. Sometimes I'd be blamed for things, but that's just what siblings do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, and so and, and but other than that, that was that was life. That was just yeah. It was great. Nice. And uh, okay, so just out of curiosity. How mm-hmm. young were you when you became an uncle for the first time? I'm always fascinated by people with huge families that like kids becoming mm. uncles and aunts at like five. <laughs> you know, I have a few friends that were like in elementary school who were had siblings or nieces and nephews and they were like, yeah, they were seven or eight and the nieces were, you know, one or two already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a niece. My oldest niece is three years younger than me. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. Right on. Yeah. Perfect. Um, okay. So tell us about your childhood then. You're growing up there on, on the First Nations uh, Reserve there and uh, going to school. What what was that life like? What what did you guys do? What, what kept you busy as a kid? We were always going to powwows in the summer. Mm. Um, I've, yeah. Every weekend – I remember being at a powwow and not being nervous about, oh, I'm not going to make any friends here. Um, it was different for us. Uh, we were always at a powwow and wherever, whichever powwow we went to around Saskatchewan, Manitoba, or down into the U.S., we always knew people. We always knew friends. We always had relatives showing up from different parts of the country. And it was just, um, it was our summer and uh, mm. it was the place to be. Um, we'd get home on a Monday morning, dusty, tired, got to do the laundry, unpack the, the tent and the van and stay home for a few days. Monday or on Thursday evening, we're packing up again. Hmm. And Friday morning, we're packing up and rushing around and off on the road again. Nice. And that would be, yeah. you know, pretty much between school. That's That would fill your time then. Yes. From late June till about second week in September, nice. we were we were a powwow family, we yeah. call ourselves. Yeah. So. Tell us about the, for someone who hasn't been to a powwow. Tell us like what is that experience like as a child, especially what what do you remember about those those early powwows? I remember a lot of family. I remember a lot of um, sights and sounds with the feathers, the uh, the regalia, the beadwork, the grandmothers in very old regalia. Mm. A lot of children playing, chasing each other. Adults visiting who haven't seen each other for a few months or a few weeks. Um, every second tent, we would know somebody, a friend or somebody new, or at the same time, we were making new friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember dancing alongside my dad, my late dad, and all these older dancers as a child and uh, feeling very at home and very secure, safe and protected. Yeah. So did everyone in your family dance or was it just your dad or... 
no, pretty much everybody danced okay, except yeah. my mom. Yeah. Um, she would she would look after everybody, getting everybody ready for the powwow day, mm-hmm. and then she would look after the camp afterwards. Nice. Yeah. So oh. it was uh, it was a grand time. Actually. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so um, so then you know, how long did how long were you on the um, Kaktawistaha First Nations there? Oh, um, just until kindergarten. So I guess around age five, maybe. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, we moved to White Bear First Nation, an hour and a half south, hmm. uh, just outside of Carlisle, mm-hmm. and that's where um, I started elementary school, grade one and two. Okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah. tell us about uh, that those early years of elementary school. Then, what were the, what were those first grades like for you? Oh, that was a huge shock. Uh, I'd yeah. say shock, culture shock, adjustment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, my older siblings were already accustomed to going to day school in Maryville, mm-hmm. the, the Maryville Residential School. So they would get dropped off in the daytimes. Um, going to a nearby town, it was a huge adjustment for me. Um, mm-hmm. I knew nothing about town life or school life outside the reserve. Um, it wasn't the best grades. I was met with a lot of bullying. Um, there was definitely some racism there. Um, a lot of dismissive teachers. Uh, you know, we were taught to to, to uh, tell an adult that sure. never really you know, amounted to anything. So we had no recourse that time other than to just either put up with it or get used to it, or you know. So that was my experience going to a town school um, from grade one to two. Hmm. Uh, so. Um your older siblings went to day school, uh, like you said, yeah. as, at a residential school there. That's right. Um, so, but you didn't go to residential uh, residential school. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. yeah, we moved before it was my turn. Okay. Uh, yeah, my late brother was the last one to go. Hmm. That was the the memory that I uh, recalled re- uh, last night. I remember him getting into a van. Um, well, what happened was uh, we were outside our house on Kakawishtau. I was very young. Um, two nicely dressed ladies came to our house in a van, talked to my mom. I don't know what they said. And then I, I remember being shy and hiding behind a fireplace. And, uh, after they left, my brother left with them. He was very, he was nicely dressed and he was two years older than me. He was nicely dressed. We just finished playing and he climbed into this van. He stood up just tall enough to see over the passenger seat. And, uh, one of them closed the door and off they went to school. Wow. And I knew, and I knew, okay, well, my turn's coming soon. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was, uh, he was the last one to go to, to residential school. And then we moved before I was old enough to go. Oh, okay. So then, so when you moved to White Bear, then they didn't have a residential school there. And so you, that's why you didn't end up going. That's right. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So yeah. how, so how long were you in White Bear then? I grew up in White Bear, um, geez, most of my life after okay. that. Yeah. 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 Um, after town in Carlisle School Elementary, I went there for grade one and grade two. Mm-hmm. And then during that time, White Bear was building a school. And uh, for grade three, I went to, to White Bear School. That's where I started my elementary school or finished my school there. Oh, nice. Grade three onwards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was yeah. a th- so three I to believe- 12 there? Or that was a, a K to 12 school then? Yeah, it was a K to 12 school. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And so... Yeah. And- Tell us about that. That tell us about the difference then of going to Carlisle to go to school and then going to White Bear to go to school. What was the difference like between those two experiences? Um, it was different uh, because there was no 
bullies from town. Mm. There was no name calling, you know, we wouldn't show up to grade one or two or, and be scared at recess that we're going to get piled on by some, uh, some bigger bullies. Um, the bullies were still there. We'd still get picked on, (laughs) you know, the smaller students, right. Any schools like that. Um, not saying that's okay, but it it happens everywhere, but uh, for different reasons. Yeah. So absolutely. Uh, for white bear, uh, when I was going to school there with bullies, there was always someone I knew who would step in. Right. Like either an older sister, older brother, friend, or an older cousin, somebody who was a little more grown and able to speak up for us. Yeah. Mm, nice. So that was that was a huge difference and a bit of a an emotional relief that we had that sort of protection from the bullies this time. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah. you know, you you keep mentioning um, when you as talking about your childhood here, you keep mentioning the word yeah. safe and safety and yeah. security and all yeah. that. It sounds like mm-hmm. that was a, like a big, big, major part of your childhood. Then did. <laughs> Oh, did that did that ever change at all for you? Did it, did you ever lose that sense of it, or was it there the whole no, time? It was always there, like nice. basically home. Basically, is kind of the other word for it. Yeah. Home. Yeah, 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 yeah. Home. It was just home, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so then uh, as then you, you went through elementary school, then uh, getting mm-hmm. into high school, same same school, just different grades. Now, um, what changed in your in your preteen and your teenage years for you? What do how did you grow as a person during that time? Well, we were still a very strong powwow family. Mm. That's all we knew in the summer. And, you know, it's, uh, say grade eight or grade seven would end. We knew, okay, we're going to go see our cool friends at the next powwow. We can't wait to go to these, you know, eight to ten powwows over the summer. Um, and uh, what changed was my older brother, um, Brian, started getting into these heavy metal bands in his room okay. in the basement. And I would hear these loud guitars and these fast drums and these vocalists screaming about dragons and things like that and you know metal screams and i thought that is cool what is that and when he would step out to visit his friends for the night i would sneak into his room and look after or look at look at his uh collection of cassettes and cds and records and i'd see all these designs of like flames and motorcycles and i remember looking at a cover of what is now i know was the the bad out of hell cover oh for me yeah both. yeah that's exactly yeah, what yeah. i was thinking he <laughs> yeah. said motorcycles and famous he's gonna talk yeah. about bad out of hell i can't wait let's get into that's it right. <laughs> yep. so he had all those he had judas priest acdc oh, nice. yeah he had led zeppelin slayer ace uh, metallica all these things that are like what is this this is cool what is this what's going on here mm-hmm. i need to know this yeah and i really got immersed in in uh music at that point and it just became a part of life like uh, everyday comings and goings i would kind of turn off my my little radio and listen to what my brother was listening to and i was like damn i wish my am radio had some metal music on it <laughs> so but I'd, I'd have to settle for the uh for the latest aerosmith release on sure. uh, chab or something right sure, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> funny how things change right and that's right. Um, so, okay. So, uh, but then like, you know, not only were you listening to the radio, but you were also kind of making your own recordings and doing stuff like that. Yeah. I would, I would rip CD or cassettes, you know, I'd have old, um, Conway Twitty cassettes that I'd steal from my older sister or my, or my dad. <laughs> and I'd, you know, rub off the ink on the side of the cassette and I'd put some, <laughs> put some scotch tape or Kleenex on those little holes on top mm-hmm. and I'd have it on standby record and pause for when somebody would announce the, uh, the Led Zeppelin song, Black Dog or ACDC, mm. Highway to Hell, I'd hit pause and record that song on the radio. And I'd, you know, keep keep my uh, playlist going that way. And that's how I grew my collection of music. Um, my brother and I we would fill our pockets with these 
ripped CDs. And sometimes we'd go to town, to Carlisle, and we'd buy the the uh, the latest album or something from a band at ACDC or, or vinyl that we'd borrow from our friends down the road. And we'd, we'd go to different friends' houses on reserves and sharing music and bands and talking about which bands are cooler and which album was out. We did that a lot, too, as preteens, as, as we got older. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was just a passion that I needed to have music on 24-7. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally get that. And a quiet house is a, is a, is an empty house, as, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. You need some music or something in there, for sure. Oh, yeah. It's got to keep going. Oh, That's yeah. Right. Were you, like, uh, as a kid, were you, like, a diehard for any one band? Like, were you uh, in the Kiss Army or something like that? Or um, To me, the Kiss Army was for the cool kids. You needed oh, sure. to have that. You need to have that feathered parted hair and the denim jacket <laughs> and that skinny jaw look. And that wasn't mm-hmm. me, right? I was right. just overweight kid with the uh, bowl cut hair and shaggy shirt, the sure, Transformers yeah. t-shirt. I wasn't no army. <laughs> I wasn't fit for any army. <laughs> right. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, so you you listened to a lot of music. Music was a huge part of your life. At what point did you start playing music though? Because if anybody who's listening knows you, they would know you as this as this great musician who's out right now. So tell us when did, when did playing music come into your life then? Around the same time, um, White Bear School had this collection of fender acoustic guitars like mm. six or eight of them in an, in the english homeroom mm-hmm. and they just sat there and sat there and i remember thinking when i was getting into high school well, who are these guitars for are they for cool people coming in are they for <laughs> teachers or guests that are coming in who are they for <laughs> and i started to sniff around them a little more sneak a look at the guitars what was in there oh a cool acoustic and i'd start to ask the, the homeroom teacher who are these for she goes there for lessons you know they're just there for teaching or storytelling or poems or sometimes a science teacher would use them to talk about physics and sound Hmm, okay. I, I didn't. I didn't care. I just wanted to play uh, "South of Heaven" on there on this from this Slayer album, you know. Right. <laughs> so I started to dabble in uh, in these guitars. Um, I was allowed to skip football intramurals or soccer intramurals at lunchtime and uh, hide in a corner in the library at school and teach myself how to play guitar by ear. I'd have oh, a little wow. uh, Walkman with me uh, with my ear fo- ear earbuds on. Uh, headphones, I guess you call back then, your earphones, and um, keep pressing rewind and play, rewind and play and, until I got a note right. And I taught myself to play uh, Led Zeppelin, Eagles, Hotel California. Um, what else was there? Uh, Enter Sandman was big back then. Nirvana was the huge thing. Mm. It was a huge wake-up call for me. And I'm like, what? He's not screaming about death and Satan? And he sounds cool. What? What is this? This is cool. What's this called? Nirvana? What? Grunge? What? <laughs> so that was a whole new a whole new direction grab for me. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. So I started to really dive into guitar. Nice. Do you remember what yeah. the first song you taught yourself was? The first song I taught myself was Battery. Uh, from the master of puppets all oh, yeah nice. yeah <laughs> starting simple then nice and easy just yeah. pick up a, a yeah, super yeah. intense metallica song to start off with. Yeah. great idea yeah that's right <laughs> yeah yeah uh, but i was just teaching myself the intro just so i could show off to my friends look of what course. i can play yeah yeah and that was it yeah <laughs> nice. the first two bars and that was it yeah. um you mentioned you know you went to powwows every summer and all summer long did you ever drum um, when I was a little boy, my parent, my dad had a drum group. He was part of a drum group, mm-hmm. uh, the the Lone Thunder Singers. The, mm-hmm. the brothers were the late Eldon and late Elmer Lone Thunder, and they had a drum group. Some nights they would practice in our living room. Mm-hmm. My mom would go to bed, and uh, 
they would uh, quite off, they would turn off the radio and the TV, clean up the house. Um, they'd bring in the drum in the evenings, and I would sit with them. Jeez, I was a little boy between eight and eight, eight years old to about twelve years old. Mm-hmm. I would sit and join them drumming and learning, learning how they would play the drum, listen, try and listen to the words, catch the melodies of the old songs they were singing with yeah, each other. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah. and like, what a great way to learn rhythm too, right? And like, oh, to get that ingrained in you is just nothing better than the drum to teach you that, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, mm. yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was a very common thing to have a big drum in our living room on some some Friday nights or Saturday mm. evenings. Nice. Yeah. So, so, do you still go to powwows? I do. Nice. I do. I took a lot of years off um, because I became a teen. I started chasing girls and right, <laughs> right, and and I was really more obsessed into like cool magazines and reading all these um, Megadeth interviews on these guitar magazines and trying mm. to figure out the coolest guitar to afford one day. You know things like that. So <laughs> yeah, I was really yeah. obsessed into arts and just being a teen. Mm-hmm. How, how yeah. old were you when you kind of put your regalia away for a little while and and, and became obsessed with teen stuff? Oh, I'd say around age 13, 12, okay, yeah, 13. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Was that yeah. a, uh, like, is that a, is that a common thing for, for kids growing up? Is that like at a certain point, some kids leave and then come back? Or is that like, were, were people like, how, how was that reacted to when you said, uh, I think I'm going to just stop for now? Well, my dad, uh, obviously he was disappointed, but he didn't like, um, have arms up in the air or anything like that. Like, how dare you? It was more like, all right, well, I guess I'll keep going. Uh, so he integrated my eagle feathers into his regalia and he kept, oh. kept going that way. Nice. Um, so it was always there. Um, some families are like, well, okay, yeah, it, it'll always be there. Um, so he he was okay with it. You know, he didn't pressure me or force me to you know keep going. Otherwise, I would have been more pushed away, I guess, from mm-hmm. it. But uh, I always knew it was always there. It will always be there. Nice. Um, even as I was a teen, I'd go to powwows with the family and not be dancing. I'd be walking around with friends and visiting. Right. I still I still felt at home because I knew my dad was was dancing or family was there nearby taking part. So I I, I always knew it was home. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. so uh, at a certain point, you moved to Brandon. What prompted the move to Brandon, and how long were you there for? Um, my mother, my, my late mom, um, and my brother and I, we moved to Brandon because my older sisters were starting university. Um, they were taking uh, social justice, uh, social studies, or uh, what's that called? Uh, oh, geez. What are they called now? Social workers, so social, you know, okay, things yeah, like yeah. that. Family yeah. services classes, sure. um, yep. psychology, sociology, um, health, um, whatever they were taking university. Yeah. I was more interested in going there because it's a city. There's going to be bands and there's going to be rock stars <laughs> hanging around, right? It's a small, <laughs> tiny city of Brandon, right. Manitoba, right? But uh, that was my first city life experience was going to Brandon. Mm. And when I got there, I was pleasantly surprised because when we enrolled into into high school, um, Neil and High would be my favorite experience. Um, everyone was into like these '90s hippie bands, like Blind Melon and the Lemonheads, and sure. you know, I'm like, yeah. "What are you guys? This is great!" You know, kids were painting lockers with big flower designs and peace signs, and the mm-hmm. teachers were like nice work, you know. <laughs> but, but on white, they're like, what, "What? What are you doing? Get that off there!" Right? Yeah. So, was like this is so cool people are painting on their lockers (laughs) so it was nice it was like a blind kind of a cool blind melon kind of school yeah yeah for sure interesting so how long are you at that school for then i was there for two years Mm -hmm. 
two years. Yeah, yeah. It it, uh, it was nice because I got to know some cool friends. Um, the drawback was it wasn't home. It wasn't mm. what I knew was home. Mm. Nobody, nobody knew how to talk. I don't know how, how else to say it. No one knew how to talk powwow. No one, sure. no one was from, no, no one, no one from was there who like, hey, hey did you go to the Powell and see that that uh, great band Red Bull or that great uh, a drum group Red Bull and how much songs they played? You know, nobody talked about that. Yeah, everyone was talking about the Seven Eleven or the party in the soccer field or things on the weekend, right? right? You know, and to me it was it was new, so I didn't quite fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were no, I don't. It was just uh, the luck of the draw for me, but there were no other music obsessed or guitar obsessed students that i could identify with oh so yeah there was like am i the only one i'm sure there's people here maybe i'm just not cool enough to be in their guitar club (laughs) so it was really tough for me to find somebody to hang with on the weekend to share all these like new songs that we learned right yeah yeah well and it was probably tough to find new music then too if you didn't have you know before you could just go around on the reserve and talk to everyone and share stuff but now you, you kind of lose that connection it's right, and it was starting. It was starting over again, trying to find yeah. new friends. We're into the same things. People were they were friendly, yeah, they were friendly enough. But they were friendly if I was part of a party crowd. Mm. You know, it was mm. like that. Come party with us on the weekend? No, I'd rather not. I want to watch much music and watch the new Megadeth <laughs> video come out. You know, yeah, so, something sure. like that, right? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. no, makes sense. Okay, so then, so is that what eventually prompted the move back then? No, what happened was uh, it was just uh, my sisters were done university or oh. they decided it wasn't for them. Yeah. I never really kind of analyzed why. I just knew that after two years, we were just moving home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't doing so well in school either. I spent more time watching much music than doing my assignments. And I and my mom kind of picked up on this too. She's like, you're, you're not doing so good here in school. Right. Let's get you back to school. But at that time, I had flunked out of my first semester in grade 11. Oh, wow. And uh, when we got back to White Bear, um, I was told you can repeat grade 11 or you can take two semesters at the same time, grade uh, grade 11, semester two, while catching up on semester one with correspondence from Sasked. Oh, OK. Yeah. 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 My, my teachers were were uh, extremely supportive, amazing teachers. They like I said, uh, they uh, they taught with their hearts. Mm. They didn't teach with here's a book and here's an assignment. Good luck. It was like. This is why you need to do this. This is important. We believe in you. We know you can do this. That's why we're we're having you do this. Nice. So that was great to have that support system right within the school. There was no one designated school counselor. Oh, that's his job if you're feeling down or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It was like, no, we got you. Nice. We're here for you. Yeah. For sure. Well, and what a great environment. And, you know, I, I, you got to think, too, that, like, because they built that school there, I'm sure the community had a much deeper investment in that school, not just, you know, financially, but just emotionally and all that kind of stuff, right? They wanted the school to succeed and all the students to be good. So it makes sense that there was oh. a lot of passion there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I remember getting into an argument with uh, with a friend of mine because, oh, White Bear School, oh, that's just a Mickey Mouse school. Mm. Well, what do you mean by that? Oh, you just pass you anyway or give you easy stuff. I'm like, Really? <laughs> you want you really you want to have this conversation we had teachers who were like coming from different universities and different towns who were selected by the uh, board of education to be the people to teach our community mm. and they taught us a lot of things like old school math um they phased out shorthand writing but one of them was getting into it for a while um and uh 
ways to really view math problems and English literature. Nice. Like we were reading all the Shakespeare, analyzing and breaking it down, and mm-hmm. all those things like that. Writing essays and stuff like that. So nice. It was. It was. Uh, it was harder than people thought it would be. Yeah, yeah no doubt. <laughs> yeah. So, so then as you were going through school, then getting to the end of grade 12, uh, uh, did you have any ideas to what you wanted to do after that or where you wanted to go, what you wanted to do after school? It was a few options. Um, my heart was always in music. Just, just, just like it is today, I'd always have a guitar with me. When I'd be writing an essay or something in my uh, English teacher's um, classroom during lunch hour i'd be strumming a g chord or a c chord and writing a paragraph on a hugh mclennan novel um things like that uh at the same time um sometimes uh the local police detachment would come to our school all the time mm-hmm. um they would visit students sometimes they were there for really good reasons sometimes they're there to follow up with a call sure. i just stay out of that because when, when you're a teen it's like oh you know I'm going to be a rebel and think that the police aren't cool. Right. <laughs> so sometimes they would talk to the staff and there was this one police officer. I knew he was familiar because he was good friends with my, with my late dad. Hmm. And uh, close to the end of my school year, it became common to see them come in playing football or hanging out at lunch, shower, staff, students. And one of the teachers pulled me aside and said, Hey, this, uh, this program is starting up. It's called the Aboriginal Summer Student Program in Carlisle Detachment, where you get to ride along for for uh, six weeks in the summer. Is that something you'd be interested? Because in? they were kind of wondering what you were what you were thinking after school. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I never really give it a huge thought, but uh, I'll I'll give it a try. I'll give it a try. So I signed up for that uh, during my uh, final year of school because you had to be in grade twelve or passing and uh lucky for me i was passing grade 12 almost saying lucky i was just uh opportune time i guess yeah, when that sure. program when that program came out um i signed up for that and uh it was a great summer and i was hooked i was uh fortunate enough to have an older member in his early 50s take me under his wing and just kind of guide me about career options and helping your community and being being a part of uh, emergency services in a kind way, not the uh, go in and enforce kind of mentality, but he yeah. was more about just being part of the community. So that really ingrained that in me, like, well, I do like to help people. I am from the community. This might be a great uh, great career to, to think about after high school. Mm-hmm. So that just kind of started from there. Yeah, that's where it started was in high school. Nice. Uh, so, But first, though, you had to go to Brandon University. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After after high school, I went back to Brandon University to um, take sociology, criminology, a little bit of psychology, and uh, again look for a band. I, I wanted a place to like <laughs> sure. start a band. Yeah, oh, yeah. Was, you know, I was really obsessed with the uh, with the movie Singles. I don't know if you ever seen that movie. I don't think I have. Um, no. Pearl Jam is in there. They're a band. Oh. Allison Change is in there. Chris Cornell is in there. Um, mm. It's a huge grunge era movie and it's like 90 to 100 percent soundtrack is the seattle scene and nice cam- cameos left and right and like you wouldn't believe yeah. and uh i wanted that kind of experience where i go to a city and i'm a university and i start a band and it's cool but uh i spent my time in the film lounge i spent my time watching bands and uh university just wasn't for me mm. yeah. it just i tried yeah so i i give it six months yeah fair enough yeah yeah, yeah. well yeah. one semester that's you know that's a yeah. good. That's a good tell for sure. Yeah, yeah, you know it's funny. You got to Brandon. If only you had gotten to Winnipeg, then maybe you would have found yeah. that scene you were looking for. You were right on that's the doorstep right. there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was just a little bit too, too, 
two west of uh, of Winnipeg for that right. to happen. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, okay, so so then you left Brandon University. You, uh, you left Brandon University. Where did you go from there? I came home um, mm-hmm. to White Bear. I started a summer security job, mm-hmm. um, patrolling cabins and cottages, just checking on things. You know, working the night shifts, overnight shifts. Getting the feel of being out in late night shift. Um, I also applied to the brand new casino, the Bear Claw Casino at the time. Right. They just opened their doors. They were looking for security officers. So I got my feet wet there nice. doing that kind of work. And then at the same time, I wanted to get into emergency services. So I um, I took a course at the, back then it was a SIAST on Albert and 23rd. And they offered a three-month EMT course. Mm. So I took that course and I just applied myself. Um, I did everything there. Um, it wasn't uh, it wasn't easy because it's crammed into three months. Right. So I did. I just applied myself. Um, I moved to the city, stayed at my sister, my oldest sisters um, on the East End of Regina, and uh, I would bus to class every day. And uh, I just made it work. Um, I got my certificate in EMT training three months later nice. as an EMT, and then. Uh, when I was done, there was a job waiting for me back home on White Bear at the casino. Of course, yeah. So, yeah, I was security and I was an EMT there on site. So that's kind of how I got my foot in the door and just kept going with it. Hey, everyone. Hope you're enjoying the show. Here to tell you about our first sponsor this week, Float Now. They are a float tank spa clinic here in Regina and in Saskatoon. And if you've never floated before, you owe it to yourself to give it a try. There really is nothing as relaxing and just like mellowing and and just kind of resetting as uh, floating. So uh, I love floating and I, you know, when I can, I do it as much as I can. Obviously right now... They are closed, so don't even worry. But once, uh, once, once all this uh, quarantine and all this lockdown is done, then we can get back at it, and uh, you guys can get back to floating and see how it changes your life. And God knows, you'll probably need a float after all this, to be honest. So uh, yeah, they'll be there, ready to help you out when you're ready to see them. So uh, yeah, if you'd like to learn more about Float Now and what floating can do for you and just what an amazing practice it is, go to floatnow.ca, or you can find them on Facebook and Instagram by searching Float Now. And uh, yeah, just if you, oh, and when you eventually do book your first float be sure to mention our show story of you podcast and you'll save 20 percent off your first float it's a pretty good deal save yourself a little bit of money do something good for your brain and body you can thank me later so a big thank you to float now for their continued support and back to dale's episode was it around this time that you started your first band no um my first band started a few years later um, oh, okay yeah yeah. While I was working at the casino as an on-site uh, security officer, promoted to security manager, um, EMT, I still had my foot in the door with my other career, my primary career in emergency services. So I applied to RCMP. It took two years. Um, but uh, after I was successful there, that's when I moved away from White Bear and I was posted to uh, Indian Head. Okay. Yeah. And then, yeah, so just outside of Regina. And uh, on weekends, I'd come to Regina, go to Long McQuay, look at the posters of, hey, looking for a guitarist, or hey, there's a show, you know, the cool poster era kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, my partner at the time, she was uh, she was very supportive of me. And she, and she still is very supportive of that. I was really pursuing that, that passion, that arts journey. Mm-hmm. And then uh, then I started my, my – well, I was introduced to these um, – um, professors and his university students at what was called SIFC back then before it as be, before it became FNUC. Okay, yeah. And they and they wanted to start 
uh, an indigenous music scene in Regina. Because before to that, it was pretty much non-existent. You know, just the odd little flare up here and there. But yeah. they wanted to start a scene. And they had this huge underground following with CBC Radio, APTN, Access TV, CBC reporters, journalism students, really supporting this movement of art and indigenous arts. And I joined this band, and there were six of us. And we called ourselves Diversity because we were from all all, all over the place, nice. all, all over Saskatchewan. Mm -hmm. Our singers, his first language was, was Cree, mm -hmm. and English was something he had to learn. So our lyrics were primarily Cree. Um, so we were the only Cree-speaking hard, hard rock band in Regina back then. Wow. And, uh, and we would play quarterly at these little um, events. I wouldn't say little because they were always – anticipated and people look forward to, uh, looked forward to them mm -hmm. the crow hop cafe by professor neil mcleod and a few of his colleagues would form this talent night for people to show artworks art projects arts majors making their displays um spoken word singers um storytelling comedies and of course my band diversity and we would showcase our like half hour of songs we just wrote the last few months so we we really got our feet wet that way and to me that was next level mm -hmm. I'm, like, I'm finally doing this i'm in a band i'm on stage there's people watching me and i'm writing my own songs and that really just solidified my career choice to stick with the arts nice um yeah. okay so so but uh, diversity didn't last though diversity uh they, they <laughs> broke up and then you guys reformed into a trio called indifference what uh what brought everyone what brought those three back together well, diversity was made up of uh, six people, yeah. and the three core people were um, myself, um, the singer who spoke Cree, Bill, and uh, our friend, the, uh, the the drummer, the Italian drummer, mm -hmm. um, Vinny. And um, we uh, we said, "Well, let's be indifferent. Let's start a trio. Let's." see what other bands are doing. Who's, who's a trio that's really doing really well. We've got, um, three days grace. We've got, uh, green day. We have other bands that are really making it work as a trio. Let's do that. So we focused our writing around being a really tight unit and making it work. So we became indifference just before 2001 and our debut gig as indifference was at mosaic that year. Nice. And that was, that was, uh, that was nice. That was like being shot of a cannon. It's just boom, just, just packed little. They they tore it down now. The uh, Jubilee Building. Oh in, in sure. The X grounds. Yeah, yeah, right? I remember. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. That, that was that was packed with people. Nice. And I'm and I'm thinking, oh my god, is my fly open? Or am I doing? Am I drooling right now? What <laughs> people are looking at me? Right. That's all I could think of while I was on the stage. So these things um, were going through my head. All these anxieties were, and at the same time, this life excitement, all this thrill, of that this is great. This is what I need to do. I need to keep doing this. I can't stop. So that was, uh, that's how indifference started. And nice. we carried on for years with that as well. Nice. Yeah. You guys, uh, you had, like you said, you had your first gig at mosaic there. Uh, you also had a, uh, a showcase at a battle of the bands at the casino Regina or casino, oh, or, casino or white bear or where, which casino was that at? Oh, it was the uh, casino Regina oh, show lounge. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, they had their first ever, I can't remember what it was called. Queen City something. Queen City Battle. Battle of the Bands. That's the same time that um, Canadian Idol was big and all these reality <laughs> sure. 
sure. Music yeah, yeah. shows were Pop coming out, right? And, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the Casino Regina had one um, partnership with the Wolf and whatnot. So that was mm-hmm. a huge deal here. And Indifference entered. And we were accepted to uh, compete. And that was exciting and scary. Yeah. And uh, we found ourselves on stage with these great bands that we've never heard of. Like, there's, I think there's one still around. Uh, Pillar at the time. Okay. They were indie. They called themselves indie underground. And they were like thrash and screamo and punk all mixed into one. Mm. And their sound was huge. And there was another one. They sounded like... Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the band P.O.D. Sure, of course. Yeah, Boom, of yeah, course. Yeah. Who doesn't know Boom? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this other band called uh, Linger had this sound just like them. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, we're, we're done. Our, our little <laughs> humble songs here. Yeah, we're, no, we're done. <laughs> so, And we had this grunge sound, this rock grunge sound with Cree lyrics to boot. Nice. No one's going to get this. No one's going to like it. And it was fantastic. Mm. Uh, we we took third, so we moved on to the semifinals after that. It was great. Yeah, so that was a fun time. That was a fun night. That was, that's one of my highlights as indifference. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny you mentioned that. Like you know, you you, you had Cree lyrics, and so oh well, no one's going to like this. And, but it's that's the beauty of music, right? Is that like as I'm sure you guys came, went on to learn, is that it doesn't matter what you're saying or what how how you're speaking, what language you're speaking. The music's good. It all connects with people, right? And so, uh, right. hey, you'll you'll find that audience no matter where it is. It's yeah. Um, so okay, so the band kept going. Uh, at a certain point here, you became a father. Mm-hmm. Well, just before that. Um, oh, okay. In, yeah. Yeah. In January of '99, I became a father, nice. and uh, life really kicked in. Um, scary, but still fulfilling. Um, mm. I was a young guy. Um, my heart was scared, but it was overfilled with joy. Mm. Um, I was going to be a dad. And uh, it was, how do I do this? Where's the Where's the owner's manual here? <laughs> you know, how do you do this? <laughs> so I did a lot of home visits to my mom and dad. What do you do? How do I do this? And they just did the same thing. What, what I'm doing now is just, well, I don't know. Learn as you go. Everyone's different. You know, <laughs> got to be, got to be responsible. That's, that's number one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you got to be able, got to, got to be able to, provide for your for your new family now so that's number two mm-hmm. and lucky for me i'm like well i already kind of have my career set in mind that's going to pay my bills and look after us long term yeah at the same time i don't want to give up the arts i've seen so many friends do that and walk away and later in, in life regret it I'm like, no i gotta hang on to that career too i want to be in the arts but i want to look after my family mm-hmm. so i kind of made them both work two two careers basically well that arts wasn't a career at that time it was more like a fun hobby then Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're putting in the work yeah. though. You're putting in the hours at that point. That's right. Yeah. 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 Paying dues, cutting, I think is the correct term. Uh, that's right. Paying yeah. my dues and cutting my teeth. There yeah. you go. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah so w- being a, was being a parent kind of always in the plan for you? Was that something that you uh, wanted eventually for your life? At some point, Yeah. at some point, um, it happened sooner than I was uh, expecting. Sure. But at the same time, the surprise was tenfold. Yeah. The, the joy of it was was uh, was tenfold. I'm like, oh, a surprise now instead of 10 years from now. Right. This is great. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, and, and your son was born happy and healthy and... and... Yeah, absolutely. Good, healthy good. baby boy. Um, life changed a little bit. I was more like, hey, I have to be a working guy now. I'm right. a guitarist second, but right. still... Um, still uh, 
I got this. This is life. We can yeah. do this. I'm happy. Yeah, we're going to make it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so the band never stopped. The band just kept going, kept touring, kept performing, kept writing new music. Uh, That's right. So, but it would, not everything worked out for you guys then. You had some struggles um, like recording music and finding a place to kind of create your uh, an album or something to release. What can you tell us about that mm-hmm. process and, and how it was difficult for you? Oh, gosh. Like I said, uh, there was... You know, when when we used to think no one's going to get our music, no one understands, no one's going to give us the time of day, and that was the the thing here back then. Mm. Studios were not interested in recording a, a native band at the time with sure. little money in our pockets and music that nobody would get with the lyrics. People wanted the country band. They wanted the next uh, Stephanie Thompson. They wanted the next Doc Walker. They wanted the next Mill Street Blues. You know, the popular blues bands at the time which are fantastic people to to watch and get to know because they're successful in their own rights. Mm-hmm. We just wanted to be on that same caliber. Mm-hmm. But it was tough for us to find a studio that would give us a time of day for that. Finally, we, we found one. Uh, I'm not going to name names, right. uh, just out of uh, business profession, but uh, they gave us a time of day, but the cost was not affordable. Mm. I remember we paid like $1,200 for a three-song demo. Oh. Um, we had to scoop out of our own pockets. Wow. and. Uh, we would sell those at shows to kind of get our, get some of our money back yeah, and pay for our, our own writing and tools and trying to get the next show. It was tough to get shows too. Um, band, our bars wanted uh, the uh, Def Leppard covers. They wanted the ACDC covers, the, the, the George Thorogood cover songs, right? right? Yeah, we yeah. weren't, we, we didn't, we didn't have those. We had all originals. So we had to learn some covers to get some bar gigs, but mm-hmm. those were far and few in between. We were just outdone by these fantastic cover bands a lot back then. So did, it, did you guys uh, ever did you guys ever do a cover in Cree? We tried. It just didn't feel right. Sure. I, I can't remember one. It was a Green Day cover. It just oh. felt <laughs> I I remember the first time we uh we stopped halfway through when our singer started laughing because he felt he's felt I feel I feel embarrassed. <laughs> this is it seems funny. Like when does Green Day sing their best awesome song? In right. <laughs> right. So to us, it was like, this, this ain't going to work for us, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So, but there was also, you know, the issue, of, you know, being able to afford uh, the, the kind of mm-hmm. deals, but then you also had uh, some issues with technicians themselves. Yeah. Yeah. We had an engineer who was, I guess he's a, he's a business person too. So right. um, we wrote our first album and released that in 20, Oh, in 05, it was just okay. a debut mixture of our demos and recordings that we were able to pay over the last few years. Mm-hmm. And then we started to write our second album um, during that time. And in 09, I think it was 09 or on, we started to record our second album to get it out so we can keep going and get these shows and build as a band. Mm-hmm. And during the studio session, we were doing one song and there was so much reverb. It was like, what is this? We're not... 1988 hysteria album here come on let's <laughs> let's get some updated rock feel let's yeah, sound yeah. let's get that nice dry alternative rock feel mm-hmm. and there was so much reverb on this song i asked the engineer can we take some of that off it's just too much and he stopped and he looked at me and he said well that's going to cost you twenty thousand dollars to have this song without this much reverb you understand <laughs> and I and, and I was thinking, reaching over to your left and clicking off on your reverb is going to cost me twenty grand. 
this is not right. <laughs> That's an important switch. You don't, you yeah. don't flip that switch too often. It costs 20 grand to flip. That's, right. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's 20 grand of a, of reverb there. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so we just kind of, um, we, uh, we bit the bullet as well and just let him, you know, finish our recording. Mm. Uh, we didn't finish a lot of it. Um, we, we just had an uh, uh, inside joke about it after. We were going to call our second album No Reverb. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just this is just, just a little tiny inside jab. Oh, yeah. Being told. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, so yeah. then, so uh, Indifference went along for a while, but eventually it had to end. Uh, what, what, That's right. What, how did things end for the band, and, and where did you go from there? Um, we ended... Uh, on good terms, mm-hmm. um, the uh, singer was more interested in, you know what, I got to be a teacher now. It's going to take up my time. I'm having sure. less and less time to be a writer. Mm-hmm. I have these studies. I'm going to take a major. I need to be in university. My drummer was kind of on the same path, but uh, he was helping to run a flooring business mm-hmm. um, with his parents. Um, very, very well and very supportive parents. Um he wanted to focus more on getting that business as successful. So that took up their time as well. Mm. Um, so we all agreed to it. You know, I was kind of understanding at the time too. And I'm like, well, I can't be selfish. You know, they got lives too. Right. We have to let it go. Okay. So we ended on amicable terms, very friendly with each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, but me, you know, ever since I was a kid, um, ripping cassettes off the radio, uh, getting my first guitar at the school, a little cheap Fender acoustic and a great, grade uh, 10 homeroom English room I needed to keep going so mm-hmm. I kept going and my partner and all my ex at the time then we we split for a while but uh, she told she was very supportive like keep going you're not going to be happy if you stop you need to keep doing this <laughs> yeah yeah so and, I, and so in, in in 2012 something stuck though what can you tell us about yeah. uh about uh I automatic oh god I automatic I named that band after I'm I uh after my, my move to the city hmm. from a small town, mm-hmm. I, I moved to the city to be close to my son, just a few few streets away, um, and to be as close as possible and accessible. Um, I automatic is reference to my adjustment to city life hmm. um, as an adult. Nobody was waving. Nobody would like wave hi as they passed you. Right. People were like staring at the street lights or just staring straight ahead. And... I, I was used to going to the Esso in Indian Head and ordering from the uh, from the owner Nick and his wife and ordering a burger to go. Now you have to speak into a box and look at a menu on a, on, a, on a screen. Mm-hmm. So it was like everything's so robotic and automatic. Mm-hmm. And then I automatic. Hey, that's cool. So I kind of <laughs> stuck that name to our to a modern rock band that nice. we formed that summer. Yeah, there was myself, a teacher, a local guy from uh, from Regina. And he had a, he, he was okay. He was a good singer. He was really pushing, he was really pushing himself to be the, a great singer. And, and he was becoming a good singer. Um, and a pair of brothers who were contractors. One was a bassist, one was a drummer. And they were looking for a band too. Nice. So we, so I showed him these batch of songs that I wrote in the meantime. These um, modern rock, kind of a clutch style. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've heard of the band Clutch. Of course, sure, uh, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mice and Gods, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I showed him these cool Southern style riffs and these Rob Zombie kind of riffs and these Radio Ready riffs. And we formed this band, I Automatic, and we wrote about 10 songs. Uh, 
And we were instantly picked up on the wolf of the single that, that we all forked money over to record. Nice. Um, which was, yeah, we all did it once in a weekend. It was great. Um, and then we found ourselves getting booked at the pump, um, the drink, the state. It was called back then, no, the, uh, the drink it became. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pure God. Lounge was on. God, yeah, rest in peace that. to all these great venues you're talking about. They're, oh, like, they're man, all they're gone. So good. <laughs> yeah, and they're, they're all, so good. None of them exist. Oh, oh they were so good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we ended up opening up for like Bleecker Ridge, Econoline Crush, and uh, One Bad Sun nice. in Regina. It was nice. It was just like, this is great, man. This is, I can keep doing this forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was okay. That was, that, that, that was a fun run. Mm-hmm. And I used to, I kept writing. I kept writing. I needed to write. I'm like, and, but at the same time, I started to form this idea that maybe I should be solo. And my ex-partner, she was still just my uh, go-to support, even though we weren't together. We were like very close because we were childhood sweethearts, right? Ah. So she was very supportive throughout. She goes, just start your own thing. Stop waiting for other people. There'll be no more hangups, no more delays, no more waiting on someone else. Mm-hmm. Do your own thing. Just do it. So I started writing my own music um couldn't sing worth a lick I sure yeah i couldn't sing to save my life at the time um and i had another friend who was an indie rocker and he was also just a supportive but a great singer and he started to show me how to sing teaching me basic lessons of breathing and vocal technique and i started to build on that and then the uh, the junos came to town mm-hmm. that, that spring of 2013 mm-hmm. I was excited. I was excited. I was just in heaven. And like everywhere you went to be like, is there a celebrity here? Is there a celebrity here? You know? <laughs> it was your childhood dream of being in a city That's and running right. into celebrities. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was I was dreaming. Am I gonna run into the the hip at the seven eleven on Broad Street? Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. No, you won't run into them there. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, and so, so, that was, uh, so what kind of impact did the Junos have on your life then at that time? Oh, I've seen the scene, the the, uh, the music scene here just come alive. Yeah. I, so I probably wasn't the only one who was inspired to just put yourself out there. All these great bands came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. People started forming bands, solo artists, folk singers, blues singers, pop singers, metal bands, hard rock bands. Everybody was forming a band. Mm-hmm. And the scene was coming alive. And uh, I was determined to put out an album. So I taught myself to sing. I used my guitar skills and I honed them a little bit because by that time I was quite versatile with my genres. You know, I could play Stevie Ray Vaughan. I could play Tom Morello. I could play Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. I could play Clapton. And what is my storytelling plan that's going to carry me into my 60s? Because I don't want to be on stage somewhere breaking out south of heaven when I'm age 65 or right. somewhere, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> you need to evolve. You need to keep moving that's forward. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So I started to to think, hey, what's going to work for me long-term? How old is Clapton now? Oh, he's probably in his 50s, and he's still making it work. Okay, so we got a blues thing going. Timeless, Rock Roots. we got Tom Petty. we got the, the hip, as I mentioned, Sam Roberts. They've got that Canadian sound, mm. and it works. And it's not because it's commercial. It's because it's their, it's their, their engine. It's what they, they use to be artists. Mm. And to me, that's what I want to do long-term. So I honed down my playing a little bit. And I became a rock roots guitarist slash singer. So I taught myself how to record using tutorials on YouTube, nice. bought some pawn, pawn shop gear, pawn shop speakers, yeah, made it yeah. work headphones, 
taught myself how to use Cubase Pro at the time. Mm. Bought a, bought a cheap version for hundred dollars on sale from the site, and I taught myself that way. Nice. Yeah. And, and that's and that's out of that came uh, the Whistleman EP. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Whistleman EP was my first ever release as a solo artist nice. in uh, October of 2013. It was fall when I released it. Nice. Yeah, and my yeah, yeah, that was that was fun. That was a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, quite surprised at how it was received by uh, organizations, arts organizations, mm-hmm. uh, local arts organizations liked it. Um, CJTR radio became very supportive of the music scene because they were in, in tune with everyone, of course. which was great. And I was always a big supporter of them since they opened their doors. Yeah, for sure. And shout out Redbeard over there at uh, CJTR. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And, they, and there used to be a late night show on Friday nights and they would like sneak a play of the old and different CD sometimes, right? Nice. So we were like giving them a thumbs up all the time. Yeah, like, thanks for that spin. Makes yeah. us feel like rock stars. Yeah, no doubt. Right? <laughs> um, and so uh, all of this led to you You uh, performed at the 2014 North American Indigenous Games. How did that come mm. about? And tell us about that experience. Uh, a few months after I, I released uh, my first EP, the Whistleman EP, um, the North American and Indigenous Games were coming to town mm-hmm. and they put out a call out for the Cultural Entertainment Village. Mm. Contemporary or cultural entertainment, I fit in that bill. So I applied and uh, I got an email that February. Like, yes, you are successful in your application. Welcome as a performer, blah, nice. blah, blah. I kind of, it was a big, long email. <laughs> and uh, this is how we're going to approach it. Be ready to go for 12 minute spot or 16 minute spot or nice. something like that. Yeah. 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 It was so fun. So I wanted to make sure that if I'm going to debut, I'm going to debut right. Yeah. And I, and I, I wanted to shoot ourselves out of a cannon to, to the, the crowd watching. Cause that was my, like, this is the big stage. This is what I want to do. And oh, yeah. I'm, and I'm, uh, I'm driving the bus. I'm not waiting for a singer with a hangover. I'm not right. trying to, you know, <laughs> yeah. We're not, is someone going to show up on time? Yeah, it was it was fun. It was so great. Nice. What was the reception? Oh, it was great, fantastic. Yeah. Um, we had f- uh, footage of our set. Obviously, my voice was so excited at the time. I was off key, half a lot, but that's yeah. how it goes. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, I was invited. I, I was invited for more shows. I nice. picked up a plethora of shows that summer. Um, yeah, I was booked at different venues, local venues, things like that. Yeah. Shows radios it was so nice it was a it was a whole new ball game right on yeah. well and, and yeah. just out of curiosity i mean i haven't i haven't heard the whistle man ep yeah. yet but like uh were your lyrics in cree as well or was that ju- was that just with the first band no no just with the first oh, band okay. yeah, uh yeah. i'm not i'm not cree i right. was raised uh uh dakota and nakota sioux lifestyle so we have a dakota nakota language oh, okay yeah yeah. Uh, yeah yeah my late father was uh was nakota from white bear uh, my late mom was uh, Dakota from the Standing Buffalo First Nation. Mm. So I, I was raised that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't have any Cree lyrics. Um, I I was hesitant on Whistleman to include a lot of lyrics or cultural references. Just from my past experiences, is this going to be marketable in this region? Right. Is it going to be as accepted or are people going to know? So I did put a little bit in there. Whistleman was what my father was known as. He carried mm. an eagle whistle. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And those are very significant. It carries prayers. It calls the eagle spirit when it, when there's a whistle man there. And those are only given to uh, war veterans or people of, of uh, great significance in the community. Wow. So, so, it, was, so it, was, it, it was quite an honor for him to have one then. Yeah, absolutely, it was. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and again, and what an honor to, you know, what an honor to be able to name your first EP after that then. That's right. Yes. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So that was a nice, uh, a nice uh, nod there. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay. So uh, in in 2016, uh, you were invited to come to Nashville to perform some music. How did that come about? And tell us about your Nashville trip. Oh, wow. Yeah. Your your first Nashville trip, uh, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My first trip, it was a huge uh, eye opener for me because I was getting airplay. I was getting venues. I was getting booked. I was booked at a festival all fucked up. Um, that was great. Um, and I met a singer, country singer. She was uh, recording with a producer down south, uh, recording with Crystal Shawanda in her studio. Uh, what were they called? Odeon Studios or Odeon? Um, and she was familiar with, with my work and my arts career that I was constantly doing. And she said, I'm going down there in February to start Pre, pre-production and do some networking. Would you come with me? I'm like, absolutely, I will. <laughs> absolutely. <I'll> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it all worked out that uh, I was able to get the time off um, to go. So I uh, made those arrangements, booked my flights, um, booked my itinerary, had my song and my lyrics, all these business cards in place. And I went down there. And one of the first things we did was you have to book an open jam days in advance. You can't just show up. They don't do that down here. Wow. So I had to learn I had to learn the American way of networking and and music business. Mm-hmm. It's all like pre-order. You gotta pre-book your show if you want to go to an open mic. It's called open mic, but you have to book like weeks in advance or days in advance. <laughs> yeah. Crazy, very different. Well, I mean, I guess, and especially in a town like Nashville literally every person has a guitar in their hands right so yeah absolutely a lot of a lot of people fighting for those spots i'd imagine oh it was yes everyone's everyone's got the same dream everyone's got the um the american dream of the music story um every second person was from a small town right Right. so (laughs) everybody had that same story um amazing talent you could walk 10 steps and you'd find somebody in a corner or in a or in a bar playing the most amazing song you've ever heard it was incredible at the same time. It was very intimidating for me. No doubt, yeah. Yeah, I'm very intimidating. I'm like, I can't compete with this. But I was invited to perform at the uh, Commodore Grill while I was there. And uh, it went over really well. Um, I just stripped down my songs mm-hmm. to just me being storytelling. And uh, it went over so well. The, the owner's name was Debbie. And she gave me a card to call her to come back for a show. And... Uh, I've yet to do that, actually, because my (laughs) my stay wasn't that long. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the show today. Here to tell you about our second sponsor this week, Hillside Smoke and Q. They're a barbecue slash smoker company based out of Saskatchewan. And if you need some really delicious food in your life, look no further than Hillside Smoke and Q. Uh, normally, they do catering. Uh, they have like a food truck, all that kind of stuff. Obviously, right now, things are kind of uh, simmering. However, they have pivoted away from that stuff just for the time being into selling meat. So you can just buy ready-made meat from them, smoked, ready to go. All you got to do is warm it up. And, and eat it. So they sell a bunch of different kinds of sausages, brisket, all kinds of stuff. And uh, I can I can attest firsthand, we've tried the brisket, we've tried uh, a garlic Parmesan sausage and a taco sausage, and all of them were phenomenal. I think the garlic parm is my favorite. That, so far, they got a lot more flavors to try. So I'll let you guys know as we go along, uh, how, you know, how they all shape out. But if you want to try them for yourself, go to hillsidesmoke.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook by searching hillsidesmoke and the letter 
letter N, Q, Q U E. And uh, yeah, and check them out. Uh, their food is phenomenal. I really like, we, you know, my fiance and I had some of the sausage the other night and we're like, this is amazing. Like hand, homemade sausage is so good. So you guys are going to love it too. Be sure to check them out. And uh, yeah, big thank you to Hillside Smoking Cue for their continued support. And back to Dale's episode. In 2017, you put out your uh, a solo sophomore EP, American Horse. That's right. That's yeah. right. Um, Where does the name American Horse come from? And, and what was the, and tell us about that album. Uh, American Horse came in 2017 after writing and learning and teaching myself from 2015 until 2017. I uh, taught myself more blues guitar. Mm. Uh, I went to Nashville a second time in 2016 in October, but more focused on networking producers, networking with guitarists who are in it and they got their sleeves rolled up. They're in it. They're in the grind, right? I wanted to know what's, what it's like to just get in there. Mm. So I met some amazing blues guitarists, um, watched a few shows, networked with a few producers down there. Um, it was very fast paced and very American. And uh, I wanted to keep those tips in mind for when I come home. Um, American Horse was influenced by by my my time studying and study well studying learning more of the blues, uh, in, a natural influence, um, and more rock. I wanted to be more rock and more energetic with my own s- sound as well. Um, American Horse. The title refers to uh, Chief American Horse, who he was like my father. Uh, my father, um, he was on the board, the director of the board of education and. White Bear School for, for many years. Mm-hmm. And he advocated for education for the community and for the family. And he wanted people to be educated because that's what's going to help people succeed in life. Chief American Horse had the same thing back in the 1800s. Mm. He made these agreements with the government, like we want education for people to survive, to adapt to the, to the new world and thrive. Mm-hmm. So he advocated for that. And he advocated for peaceful relations within nations. He wanted, he didn't want conflict with the government. He wanted peaceful resolve. He wanted to, to live in harmony with the U.S. government and neighboring communities that were sprouting up around his his own people. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, and yeah, again, what an honor to be able to to name. It's you know, it's nice to hear that you're that you keep that cultural influence still. You know, even at that time, it was wasn't maybe quite as prevalent in the music as it might be now. But certainly, there was still that that influence was still over it the whole time. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like some of my songs, I would start to blend cultural references into my lyrics. Yeah such as uh, that song, Good Morning. Uh, my father's real name growing up was uh, Early Morning Riser, um, but he was known as Donald as well. Mm-hmm. So that song was about his and my late mom's love story, just a, just a gentle story in the morning, basically. Yeah. And that's, what I, that's what it's about. So those kinds of things, I blended into my lyrics. Mm-hmm. So American uh, Horse was all about that. Yeah. In 2018, though, uh, you you attended uh, you you went to Banff, and that's right. uh, and that's where your you know bringing in cultural references really started to solidify in your music. That's right. I met these amazing artists uh, and producers from all over the place across oh. Canada. Indigenous artists from BC. Um, my good friend, I we call each other brother, sister and cousin now. Um, Isque from uh, from Winnipeg. She's in Hamilton now. Hmm. I've seen her work. I was a huge fan of hers before that. Um, watching her work and her career and her success um, become this amazing indigenous voice for issues that are affecting current populations. And she was using her voice and her talent to bring those stories to light uh, to the forefront. 
and we met uh, in person at Banff and we talked about our career goals. And I was so inspired by the way she approaches issues with a sense of neutrality, but uh, like, you need to look at this now. Mm-hmm. Don't turn up, don't turn a blind eye to what's happening. Look at what, look at what's happening to people. You mm-hmm. need to see these issues as they are. Nice. At the same time, she's so, how do you say, uh, very personable, down to earth, sociable. We just, yeah, she's just, she basically feel like, felt like family. We just kind of uh, jive from there. And I performed uh, a new song that I wrote while there called Thundering Sound. Mm. And uh, I was really inspired to just be more open about storytelling, but uh, still be Dale, that person who's more positive about life, the cultural side, the positive side of culture and why it's important to to be uh, healthy that way. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's issues. Yes, there's things happening. I'll let the news cover that and the people with voices cover that. I wanted to also be in a place where I could remind people, yes, that's happening, but have you seen our celebrations and why we are who we are and our our positive sides? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to highlight those in my next album. And I wrote that song, Thundering Sound, which was about a ceremony. And uh, it, it sounds dark, but it's not. It's more like there's hope in here. There's strength. There's people coming together. Mm-hmm. So I performed that there. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised when her producer and engineer uh, Greg, he's like, I, we need to work on this song. Mm. We need to release this song. So we've been in touch since then, working on the song, getting it f- flushed out, working out the details to get it recorded for the next album. Nice. Oh, that's yeah. great. Um, okay, so uh, what was the National Indigenous Peoples Day at Banff Arts Center for Creativity? What was that and what kind of impact did it have on your life? Oh, my goodness. Um, it was... It was validation that mm. I'm being taken seriously now. I'm not scrounging out of my own pockets to find a studio that's going to give me the time of day or tell me, well, if you want no reverb on this album, it's going to cost you 20 grand. <laughs> right. right? I was being taken seriously by arts communities, by government represent, uh, representatives who bring in artists from all around the world. Uh, in June, I was asked to host National Indigenous Peoples Day at Banff Arts Center. Wow. Yeah, so I packed up uh, my my partner because we uh, we got back together the year before that and it just felt right. It just felt like, let's be family. This is great. This is fantastic. Um, we uh, we found out we were going to be grandparents too and it just felt it just natural. Let's yeah. be let's be family. This is great. Yeah. And we went to Banff. We prepared for the show. I, for the first time ever, I found, okay, now I just can't stand there and play guitar. Now I got to show a little pizzazz here. <laughs> so uh, my partner helped me create this audiovisual show of my songs. Mm. S- songs about, um, like I said, thundering sound. We'd have a visual display of a, a PowerPoint video of a thunderstorm. Mm. It would switch to uh, stock footage of a ceremony, like elders sitting on the ground praying. Um, issues, like I say, the pipeline over a ground being built. Um, children laughing, uh, orange shirt day, orange shirt day, mm-hmm. uh, issues like that, you know, where there's positive resolve. Mm-hmm. So we were, uh, we spent a lot of time uh, and hours right up until the day of the show, putting the slideshow together for our performance. Wow. And that to me, that was validating. Um, the venue was packed with all these artists and 
staff from Banff and the community of Banff were invited. It was so nice. I'm like, this is real. Yeah. Okay, so where's the uh, so where's the headliner? I was thinking. Well, I'm looking right. around. Where's the headliner? I'm like, Just, no, Dale, you're the headliner. Right. So that was nice. That was nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. what are you working on now? Then what that, that kind of brings us to to present day. What what what's in the yeah what's in the works for you now? I assume you're working on a third or a fourth album. Yeah, I'm working on a third album um, as a solo artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I was given a grant actually from the Canada Council to write my album. Um, it's going to preserve language. I'm learning my own language now. I'm uh, really diving into the uh, protocols of our ceremonies, cultural. Um, I knew they happened, but I've never grown up knowing okay, the whole meaning of it. Sure. I'm, I knew I knew a lot of meanings, but not the finer, finer, finer details. Yeah. So those things I'm preserving, um, talking with elders, um, bringing in hand drummers, drum groups, singers, power singers, um, telling stories, positive stories again and uh, blending culture more prominently with my music. Now, the contemporary music is going to be the engine, and now my language and my culture is going to be the forefront of the of the next album. Mm-hmm. It's going to be called Pejuta Road. Pejuta means medicine in Nakota. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, so that album's coming out. I've already written a bunch of songs. I'm still in touch with Greg with Thundering Sound. We're looking at songs, and we're kind of flushing out which ones work, how can we get this one to fit fit the album. Nice. So that's, oh. yeah, so that's what I'm working on right now, yeah. Well, that's excellent. Well, best of luck with yeah. that. I hope it comes together soon and you know we get to hear it soon. Oh, yeah, me too. I'm looking forward for it to, to being done so I can stop thinking about it for a while. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> That'll also be nice for sure. Yeah. That's right, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, what are your what are your thoughts? Like it, it, it seems like this is a pretty good time to be like a First Nations musician. You know, you look mm-hmm. at groups like Tribe Called Red and people that came before Buffy St. Marie, ever, people who've mm-hmm. kind of laid the groundwork there. And then what we're doing now, there seems to be a lot more artists who are embracing their heritage, embracing their cultural roots. What are your thoughts on, on the kind of current state of, uh, you know, music in the first nations communities? I think it's, uh, it's being embraced, not only as a way to make money, it's also being embraced as a way to heal. A lot of artists are like, I need to do this because I need to tell my story. Then I can feel better about it because right. somebody's listening to me. Um, I've, I've had those conversations. Also, I've had those conversations with, um, um, people in different, um, levels of uh of community government as well like children up north don't have access to mental health or uh, yeah. addictions counseling or things like that to, to to deal with teenage pressures but they do have music how do we get that more accessible to the youth up north mm. so that it's a healthy way to grow and develop kind of like the way i embraced it throughout yeah. my life yeah, yeah. yeah how how do we how do we make it accessible now Right, and how that's we, and that's and that's my goal too. Yeah, how yeah. do we get the, that pile of guitars in the corner of the classroom? That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Nice. I'm uh, also uh, a board member of Sask Music right now. Mm. Um, I've been there since 2018. My push was to like, this is great work, guys, but let's get into the First Nations communities. Yeah. Yes, we're in festivals. Yes, we're in towns. Yes, we're doing grant workshops. Yes, we're doing this. Let's not forget about our First Nations youth who are artists. We have so many artists now being nominated for Junos. They're collecting Junos. They're going places. They're going around the world. We had a Juno artist walk around with a with a Juno in his backpack in 2012, and not one person stopped to interview him. Yeah. Well, let's change that. Yeah. <laughs> let's for change sure. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. Yeah. So that's my goal now as a as a board member, and it's been so supportive. Um, SAS Music is right on 
right on par and right on the page. So I'm very happy that things are going well and progressing forward into 20, 2020 and beyond. Like, mm-hmm. let's get on the table. Now there's a voice at the table and it's fantastic to see. Nice. Well, that's great. Well, I wish you all the best of luck with that too. Well, thank you. Yes. Yeah, of course. Um, okay. So I guess one last question then before we get to the end, Dale, what's the best part about being you? Oh, geez. I've never been asked that question before. Um, give me 10 seconds to think about that. <laughs> well, um, I'm patient. I'm well-versed in two different careers. Uh, I'm very supportive of artists. I really do like to see our youth succeed. I am I am uh, family-minded, uh, very dedicated to community, um, and being involved in preserving our culture, our ceremony, inner community in between in, in between work work schedules and art schedules. I'm very involved in that. Um, I don't want to say I'm a go-to person. I'm still learning a lot and stumbling as I go here, but I am becoming somebody who's becoming more familiar with knowing where to find an elder, knowing where to find that support system, knowing where also on the art side, where to start if for a, for a new person wanting to want to get into the arts, being that uh, go-to guy for for looking for uh, startup funds for a grant, uh, experience tips because I've had my share of ups and downs. I know what to pass on so somebody doesn't go through that long hard road. I did um, basically just trying to be there as a resource the best I can, basically in, in any way possible. Nice. Great then. Okay. All right. Uh, time to promote. Where can people find your music? Where can people find anything that you, anything you want to promote right now? Now's the time to do it. Okay. Well, uh, the arts career, um, my, my website is under construction. I'm just updating photos and clips and updates. Um, that's under construction, but dalemac.com. Also, they can find my music on, uh, SoundCloud, Dale Mac music, um, Facebook as well. Dale Mac music, um, Twitter, Instagram, it's a mixture of uh, behind the scenes of the music on Instagram and my personal life. Sometimes I'll share pictures of my grandson or I'll share pictures of my studio work or shots of my studio, samples of my song. Instagram seems to be my go-to right now. Nice. It kind of blends everything at once. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 So that's where they can find my music there. Okay. And I'm going to be uh, releasing a single this coming spring in the next couple of months. Nice. Uh, obviously online. So. I'm going to be getting getting that ready to go, and I'll put out a, a, a virtual announcement on that. Nice. Is there is your music on YouTube or anything like that? People yes, I do have a YouTube channel as well. Um, my last EP, American Horse, is on there. Nice. A little bit of live shots. I'm still going through some footage from from a lot of shows and trying to put together a a, a, a stock footage video for a song. Nice. But I'm I'm working on that. But. YouTube as well. You can you can find me on there as well. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about our show, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching the Story of You podcast. That's the Story of You, the letter U. As well, just go to our website, www.storyofyoupodcast.com. There you'll find all of our past episodes. You'll find my TEDx talk that I did recently about stories and why our stories are important. And most importantly, you'll find the contact button. So if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, we think that everyone has an interesting and an important story to tell and we would love to hear yours. If you want to share it, go to that 
website again, www.storyofyoupodcast.com. Click on the contact button, fill out your name, email address, a couple of sentences about yourself, and then uh, that's it. You'll be on the show. Uh, we don't say no to anybody. We think that everyone's story uh, should be heard. So no matter where you are in the world, no matter who you are, if you want to share your story, hit us up. We would love to hear from you. And wherever you listen to the show, whether it's on Spotify or SoundCloud or Google Play or Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to us, if you like the show, why not write us a little, a little review, right? Give us five stars, give us a thumbs up, whatever it is. And uh, all that kind of stuff helps bolster our ratings on those apps. And it gets more eyes and ears on the show. So we do really appreciate that kind of support as well. Dale, thank you so much for doing the show today. This was great. It was a blast. Thank you so much for having me. 